All right. Death and taxes are what? Guaranteed. The only things you can count on. Only things we can really count on are death and taxes. At least that's what the old saying goes, right? Death and taxes. Well, guess what else? We can also guarantee, we can know that God's word will be preached and God's word will be proclaimed. And that God uses us and wants us to be messengers and witnesses for his gospel. But gospel by itself is unstoppable. God is going to work for the good of those who love him according to his purposes, we know in Romans 8, 28. And so God's gospel, God's good news of salvation is going to be proclaimed. And yeah, he is calling us to be people that proclaim his good news. And we are in a series right now in, the, in kind of in the, near the middle of Mark. And we've been looking at some different things about good news. And so the, the first thing we learned really quickly was that the good news for Mark is that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. And then we saw that the good news is that Jesus shows the good news by coming to be with us, by cleansing us and making us whole. And, and so that's what he's going to show not just the people, but he's also showing that to his disciples. And we're going to see today how they model that and do that. And then we saw that, that religion tends to clash with the way and the heart of Jesus. So just because we say we, we trust and obey, just because we go to church, that doesn't mean that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and be, are being submissive to his way and his heart. And then near the end of Mark 3 and, and, and Mark 4, we saw that when it comes, when we are the, the committed disciples of Jesus have ears to hear God's word. So that's kind of the idea that, that Shema right there that we just saw the video of. Having ears to hear, but not just to hear, but also to obey and understand God's word. And then last week we looked at uh, the, this idea of fear and how we are all, we, we get afraid and how the disciples got afraid and how, and how Jesus showed in different responses of fear that we need to trust Jesus. So when we are overcome with fear, let's trust Jesus. Jesus, the overcomer. So, so do we push Jesus away? Or do we go to Jesus in faith? Or, or do we believe that Jesus can really overcome? So that's kind of where we are. That's, that's kind of where we've been. And we're going to see, and that, that was the end of, of chapter 5 in Mark. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 6. The... And so looking at, looking at the back of chapter 5, Jesus had just been publicly, publicly performing miracles, signs and wonders, tra- showing people and helping people in, in his way. And, and so the disciples, they were watching and they were learning and they were trying to figure out, do I trust Jesus? I mean, he was there in the boat and he was sleeping when everybody else was panicking and terrified that they were about to die and Jesus gets right up and just calms the seas, calms the waves, and I think tries to calm their fears, but yet the disciples were more terrified after the storm than during the storm. And so Jesus is going on and showing them, and, and these different things that, you know, he, he heals this, this woman that had been bleeding for 12 years, and he heals uh, this man that was demon-possessed, and he 
and he heals this, one, this little girl, this 12-year-old girl. He says, come here, sweetie. Wake up from the dead. And so these disciples, they had a chance to then turn their fear to faith. And, and to see, Jesus didn't scold them, but Jesus was disappointed with their lack of faith. And so we're going to see today that just that kind of that continuing, that are people trusting Jesus, are people obeying Jesus, or are they afraid, or are they rejecting Jesus? And so I encourage you to turn to Mark 6, and we're going to start in the first part of this chapter this morning. And so Mark chapter 6, starting right out in verse 1. And you can follow along on the screens if you'd like. And so this is what it says in Mark 6. So when Jesus had left there, he went to his hometown. Now his hometown was, was about 20 miles away, and it's the hometown of Nazareth. And so it says he was accompanied by his disciples. They were following him. And, and in verse 2, when the Sabbath had came, Jesus began to, to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Keep that in mind, that word amazed. Many heard and they were amazed so then they the people his hometown people they started thinking about this what not just who jesus was but what he was doing and what his ministry was all about and so they asked themselves where did this man get these things where did they get where did he get these ideas how is jesus doing these things and they asked what's the wisdom that had been given to him what are these remarkable miracles he's doing? So they, they ask these questions, and that's good to ask these questions like, what's going on with this guy? Like, I remember him just being like a youngster here in the synagogue learning, uh, learning the Shema, learning, learning different things about the Torah, the Bible, the Old Testament Bible, and learning things about the law, and, and learning. And now here he is. Who is this guy? What is he doing? And then they got offended. It says in verse 3, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Now let's just pause there for a second. They took offense. Now maybe you don't see this as a big offense. Like, uh, isn't he a carpenter? Yeah, well, that's what he was. That's, why is that offensive? Isn't he Mary's son? Well, yes, he was, and he is Mary's son. Why is that a problem? I mean, and, but there, I, when I was studying this and I'm trying to understand what, why this was offensive, they were, they were trying to offend Jesus here. They were trying to say, you're just a local guy. You're just a commoner. You, you, don't, have a, you don't have a great job. You're just a, a poor carpenter, just like some of us. And, and whenever in the Jewish culture someone would say, isn't this so-and-so's son? If they used the dad, that was normal. But when they said, isn't this so-and-so the mom's son? That was a big insult. Now, we don't see that in English, but that's, it's good for us to understand. They were offended and they were making fun of Jesus. Hey, this is Mary's son. They don't, I mean, yeah, at this time we, we do believe that since Joseph, his dad, was not mentioned that he was most likely had already died. But still, they say, isn't this Mary's son? And, and so then they were offended. And, and I wonder if that happens to us when, you know, if, if somebody in this congregation grows up and does all these really cool things and really like 
remarkable things, not just cool, remarkable things. And we, we look around and say, well, isn't this so-and-so's son? Didn't they just go off to college or didn't they just do this? And now they're back and look what they're doing and look what they're saying. How do they find out these things? How are they doing these things? And so I think it's, it's, it's easy for us just to think, oh, well, the, the people in the hometown, they just, oh, they just didn't, tr- they didn't want to believe Jesus. They didn't want to trust him. But I think if we put ourselves in that situation, a lot of us would have similar thoughts, similar ideas here. And so then it says in verse 4 that Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town. Among his relatives, notice they said his sisters were there, uh, among his relatives and in his own home. And so it says here in verse 5 and 6 that Jesus could not do any miracles or, or works of power there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And, and then it says this, that Jesus was amazed by their lack of faith. And what did he do because of the lack of faith, their lack of faith? Jesus, in the end of verse 6, says, it says that he went around teaching from village to village. So if they're going to reject Jesus' words there and reject his message, guess what? The gospel is not going to be stopped. He's not going to just say, okay, well, you guys don't get it. And let me try to convince you. Jesus could have convinced them. But he chose to then go from village to village and and to show other people the good news of Jesus. And so our first point today is that even though that Jesus was rejected in his hometown, the work of the gospel continued elsewhere. So we don't need to be so worried about one place. We don't need to be so concerned about, well, these people don't get it, so what do I do to convince them? Well, Jesus didn't try to convince them. Jesus just showed up, he taught, he, he did his normal thing that he did in each town, and he was disappointed. And not just disappointed, he was amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Just like the people were amazed in verse 2, they were amazed when they heard Jesus, and they saw Jesus doing these things. They were amazed. Now Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith, that they don't see and hear that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, yes, they had kind of blinders on their eyes to think, yeah, we grew, we grew up watching this boy. But now they also knew that, that the Messiah was coming and he was going to come from Israel. And so they, they couldn't fathom that it could be Jesus. Even his own family. Now, we don't know a lot about his own family right now, but we'll find out more about his family later on. But even his own family, his sisters were there, and, and his mom, and, and, we, and, we, and I, we we're finding out more that Jesus felt rejected in his hometown and amongst his relatives. And I wonder if sometimes we feel rejected. Maybe, maybe we go in and, and we communicate with our families that don't believe Jesus. We, we communicate, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of him, and here's the good news. But they say, that's crazy. I, I don't believe you. I, that's just what you can do. If, you wanna, if that's how you get to heaven, sure, believe that. But, or maybe you, you and your co-workers, you, you try to share the, the testimony of Jesus. You, you try to show them a little bit about who Jesus is, and the, the same kind of thing, they, they're against you. They say, no, that's, 
if that works for you, that's fine. Or maybe they're rejected altogether and say, hey, this guy shouldn't be working here. This, this person, they shouldn't be saying these kind of things. And so I just want to encourage you, as, as you are sharing the gospel, as you are showing people Jesus and who he is, that there's going to be people that oppose you. And there's going to be people that don't get it. And they're going to reject you because of Jesus. And notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't waste his time staying at that place and trying to convince them. He went other places to show them. And I, I know sometimes it, in my house it happens anyways that, that one of the kids did this project or, or, or made this drawing or, or did, did something they just want to show one of, the, one of the kids or they want to show me or my wife. And they, they want to just take, they want to just have us be excited about it. And, and usually that happens and we should give them time. But sometimes we're kind of right before we're heading off and we're doing something. We're like, hey, I, not right now. But yet that child will, will if, if they won't hear it from me and they won't get that attention from me, maybe they'll go to a sibling and say, hey, look at this thing I did. And hey, look at the. And so we, we kind of tend to go to people that, that will receive us. And we kind of go to people that will give us that attention. And, I, and I've seen that a lot, especially in politics. And I don't want to talk about politics very much. But in politics, sometimes we only listen to other people that agree with us. We don't listen to people that, are, that believe other things than us. And so I think it's important that we listen to each other. We give each other attention. We, we have conversations with each other. And we, maybe that doesn't mean we embrace what other people believe, but we at least listen and un- try to understand, especially, especially when it's fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So Jesus didn't waste his time in that town trying to convince them. And he, that, I think that's, that was a model for, for us. He didn't, he didn't waste that time. He he went to other places because the gospel's not going to be stopped. The gospel is going to be proclaimed. The gospel is going to continue and flourish other places. And so then we see then what happens next in, verses, in verse 7. It says that calling the twelve to him, Jesus began to send them out two by two. And he, and he gave authority over the impure or the, the evil spirits. And so here, Jesus is calling his 12 disciples. It already showed us in Mark that he had defined who these 12 were. And now he's saying, okay, I want you to split up. And I want you to go all over the place. And, I want, and I'm going to give you power and authority. I'm going to, all the things that I've been doing, I want you to now go and do those things. And so I wonder if the disciples were like, all right, well, okay, two by two, here we go. Let's Let's see what happens, and I'll, let me go start packing. Well, Ken chuckled because he knows what the next verse is. <laughs> and the next verse says, and these were Jesus' instructions, take nothing for the journey except the staff. Wait a minute, what? Did I hear you right? Um, the disciples must have been thinking, nothing except the staff, or in some translations it says an extra staff. Uh, and then Jesus just clarifies here. He says, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but don't, not an extra shirt. And whenever you... So, here's, so let's just pause there for a second. So Jesus is saying, take nothing with you. I mean, yeah, 
wear clothes. He's saying that. But take nothing else. Don't even put some extra money in your belt. Don't, extra, don't take an extra shirt. Don't take some food. I mean, it, it's a journey that they're going to walk to these places and they're going to have to completely have faith to trust Jesus with the results. There's not, none of the disciples could be like, oh, well, I got this extra money and I got this extra food or I got these extra things to, to help me and have, I'm going to put my trust in these provisions. No, Jesus says, take nothing except an extra staff. That might help your journey as you're walking. And I, I made sure I pointed these verses out to Kenny and Angie before they left for Florida. I don't think they followed them, but that's good because that, the context of it was for these disciples. It wasn't for your journey to a vacation or yours or theirs. So uh, these were very specific for Jesus to his disciples for that moment. And I know some people can use verses out of context, and that can be funny sometimes, but that can also be dangerous, so let's not do that. <laughs> so Jesus wants us to trust him. Jesus wants his followers to trust him. He doesn't want us to have these extra things with us. He, he wants us to go and to, to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to different places and trust him completely with the results. And so our second point today is, is that the, 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 the follow, as followers, Jesus' followers, were unwelcome some places. And the work of the, of the gospel was fruitful elsewhere. So we're going to see this in verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. That these disciples, they might have been unwelcome in some places, but their results, the, for the fruitfulness of what they were going to do, it wasn't about them. And so in verses verse 10, Jesus says, and when you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. Okay, that seems simple enough. Stay there. Uh, and verse 11, in, in any place that does not welcome you or does not listen to you, that's that, that word that we heard the video of earlier, shema. I mean, this is in Greek now, but it's the same idea. If anyone doesn't receive you, doesn't, doesn't welcome you, doesn't listen to what your belief is, then... You know, Jesus is having them choose right then. The people, his disciples, two by two, they go in and they have to choose right then after hearing their message. Do we, are we for Jesus or are we against Jesus? Are we for Jesus' message or are we against it? And so the disciples right then had to, had to present the gospel. They had to present the truth of what they were about, what they were doing. And if people received them, then those people were for Jesus and his gospel. And if they weren't, and no one took them in, Jesus said, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And there's a lot of symbolism in there. But it's just the idea that just leave. Don't waste your time there. And so then when they were there, it says, here's the, here's the results. I just said that it was fruitful, but here's the results. That they went out and they first preached that people should repent. Where did they learn that from? Jesus. They preach that people should repent. And then they drove out many demons. Where they learned that from? Jesus. And they appointed, they anointed 
this many sick people with oil, and they healed them. So this anointing people is this way of blessing people and, and healing. So all this power, all this authority, this is not their own. This is from Jesus. They, they're preaching, they're driving out demons, anointing people, and healing. Their power is coming from Jesus. And this is, this is, we see this in Mark 1, near the beginning, in 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he said, the time has come that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is proclaiming this, and now his disciples are proclaiming it. It said later in that, in that chapter that Jesus, after the, the disciples finding Jesus, saying, everybody needs you, Jesus says, let's go somewhere else, the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I've come, to preach to everyone to el- elsewhere. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So that's what Jesus was about. He was about preaching repentance. And he was about driving out unclean spirits or demons and he was blessing people and teaching in their synagogues and healing the sick and so this is exactly what we see the disciples doing and 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 remember that's our second point today is is that the followers of jesus even though they're unwelcome in some places The work of the gospel is going to continue, and not just continue elsewhere, but it's going to be fruitful. We can see this fruit by all these things they were doing. And there's going to be opposition. I mean, sometimes it might be easy to say, oh, look, there's people in this town that don't welcome us. There's people, no no one wants us. No one is believing what Jesus' true message is. So what should I do? And I wonder if the disciples just thought, Forget it. Let's just go home. But Jesus is saying, no. Shake the dust off your feet and go somewhere else. Keep presenting the gospel. Keep giving the good news of of Jesus elsewhere. And and there's going to be opposition. And in my study Bible, it, it noted that in spite of increasing opposition, that Jesus not only continues to preach from village to village, but intensifies his mission to Israel by sending out the disciples two by two to go and be his witness. And I I think that was really interesting. I just noticed on the the page number, and I usually don't notice the page number, but I noticed the page number when I was looking at that, and it it was page 2021. It was this year. And I don't know if that was just a a message or not, but I, I believe in this year of 2021, when then there's increasing opposition to, the, to Jesus and his good news. I believe that Jesus is calling his followers to be faithful in calling, in the calling that he has called us to. That we're to reach people for the good news of Jesus. And there is going to be opposition. And there is going to be people against us. And there's an equality act that we can be praying against. And, and there's, there's opposition against against the name of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want us to quit. Jesus wants us to keep going, to shake the dust off of that place and go somewhere else, but keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus. To keep teaching people who Jesus is because in His name is life. 
And we don't need to worry about everyone accepting the gospel. The gospel needs to be proclaimed, and that's what Jesus wants his followers, us, to do. Our job is to be faithful. It's God's job to be faithful. Sorry, it's our job to be faithful. It's, it's God's job to bring the fruit. That fruitfulness didn't come from them, but God was calling them to be faithful and to go and keep sharing the gospel. And even when they're rejected, to keep going. And that's our, that's our calling too. Even when we're rejected, even when our family says, you're crazy, I don't know, I, this, this is a weird thing. Even when we're in our workplaces or when we're our neighbors, we're not supposed to give up. We're supposed to keep telling other people about Jesus. I know, I know that Dr. Seuss failed a lot of times before he got his first book published. I know great people like Thomas Edison had a lot of failures before the light bulb. Ding! That idea of the light bulb? Yeah, that was... There's a lot of people that fail at things and are rejected. And we are going to be rejected. We're going to have opposition. But Jesus wants us to keep going and keep proclaiming the good news of his gospel message. And so we're going to find out then what happens to one of his followers, John the Baptist. All right, so let's see here in verse 14. So all these good things were happening in the name of Jesus. Uh, People were preaching. The disciples were preaching and driving out demons and, and, and anointing people and healing. And so this was happening, and then the king heard about it. Actually, I shouldn't say king. He was a tetrarch. This Herod was kind of like an acting king. But anyways, King Herod, he heard about this. He heard about what? He heard about what the disciples were doing, the fruitful ministry that these disciples going two by two were going out and having this ministry. And so he heard about this for Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. This is why this miraculous powers are at work at him, in him. So they're, they're finding out Jesus and his followers are doing all these things. Oh, maybe it's John the Baptist. Well, others said, well, no, maybe it's Elijah. The, Elijah, the one that healed, the one that had all these miracle, miraculous powers. And others were still saying, well, he's a prophet. Maybe it's one of, the, one of the prophets that had been from long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, John the Baptist, this guy, I had, remember, he's the guy that I beheaded. He's been raised from the dead. Now, I don't know if he was happy about this or not, but we're going to find out. This is kind of like some, some different shows that we watch. They have these like flashback scenes. You find out what happens in the past. And right now, we're going to hear, we're going to see a flashback in the Bible because he's, right now Herod is saying, John has been beheaded and maybe he is, now he is raised from the dead. So now we're going to find out how the story was that he came to his death. In verse 17, it says, Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. And because of this, Herodias, his brother, Philip's wife, whom he had married, uh, uh, he did this because of of Philip's wife, okay? He had married his brother's wife. That's a problem. 
And, and John had been saying and over and over, repeatedly, John had been preaching out against Herod. He's saying it's not lawful to have your brother's wife. And so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and, and wanted to kill him. But she was not able because Herod feared John and was protecting him, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. And when, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So here's kind of the, the scenario that's going on. So, so John is saying, hey, everybody, it's not okay to marry your brother's wife. Okay? Now, Herod, Herod had done that. He took his brother Philip's wife, and apparently Herodias was pretty upset about that. Uh, apparently she, she liked that she had been taken to, by, by Herod. And so now she was very upset. Her name was kind of rubbed in the mud, and so she didn't like that. She wanted to get back at John. She wanted to have him killed. But, but Herod actually enjoyed conversations with, with John. He, was, he enjoyed hearing about him and, and seeing what he was all about. And it doesn't seem like he was that upset about John. He liked to listen to him. It, it brought him joy. He was gladly listening to John. So I think he got him arrested just to make sure everything, you know, his name was, he would stop saying bad things about Herod. But then the, it says in verse 21, finally the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet to the high officials and the military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask anything you want, and I will give it to you. And he, pr- he promised with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give up to half my kingdom. So don't ask for too much of my kingdom, just half of it. But I, I really, really liked your dance. You can have pretty much anything you want. Just not more, you just can't take me out of power. And so she went to her mom. What should I ask for? The mom answered, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately, the girl hurried and told the king her request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a plate. And the king was greatly distressed. He didn't want to do this. But because of the promise and the oath and the dinner guests, all the high officials there, he didn't want to refuse her. He didn't want to look bad. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And the man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back the head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mom. After hearing of this, John's disciples came in and took the body and laid it in a tomb. All right, so that's, that's not a good story to read in church. I know that's not what we want to hear about as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We don't want to hear about people losing their life for their faith. We don't want to hear about persecution. We don't want to hear about the bad times. And Francis Chan said uh, that John the Baptist was a man who spent his life giving all the glory to Jesus. And in the end, he was beheaded for it. 
People can be upset about this. He gave all his, everything he was doing was all about Jesus. He even said, I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of this, this Messiah. He, he, was, he said things like, I must become less because he needs to be greater. Those are all the right things. And his heart was right. But yet, he was killed. And our third point today is that even though John the Baptist was martyred, he was killed for his faith. The work of the gospel continued in a greater way. And, and, and we see this throughout history. Whenever there is someone that is persecuted, whenever there is someone that even dies for their faith in the name of Jesus, that the gospel cannot be stopped. The gospel continues in a greater way, and, and we see this in a fruitful way. So now Herod is thinking, John the Baptist must have been come back from the dead because great things were happening. He saw the followers of Jesus in the name of Jesus, and he saw the fruit that was happening. He's like, wow, this is amazing. The people were amazed at Jesus, but they had faith. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith, and now Herod was amazed by what was happening. Herod saw Jesus' name was being glorified and proclaimed. And he's like, the only person I can think of like this is is John the Baptist because he was a really good guy and he did lots of really good things. And now look what's happening with all the followers. They're spreading his name. They're spreading the good things about Jesus. And remember in in Romans 8.28, it says that God does, he uses for good all things that people meant for evil. And, And people... You know, Herod right here, he was prideful. His kingdom wasn't even actually a real kingdom. He, he had some power, but, but Herod, what was he doing? He was trying to look good. He was trying to show that he had power and authority. He was, and then he made a really foolish promise in front of all the people. And he was trying to impress the elite. He was trying to say, look at the power I have. I can do anything. I can give all this stuff to her if I want. And he made a really foolish promise. And to fulfill this really foolish promise, he sent out his men to kill. It's quite a contrast because in Jesus' kingdom, he has all power and authority, but he was rejected in his hometown. And so he went elsewhere. Because his kingdom isn't just for his hometown. His kingdom isn't just for the elite or the the people that know him or grew up with him. His kingdom is for all who trust him. And so Jesus sent out his men two by two. And he sent them to bring life. He sent them to proclaim the good news of Jesus. He sent them to heal people of, of demon possession and, and of physical issues. And he sent them to bless people. There's a quote by Gary Thomas that says, we can't expect to faithfully serve God and to be liked by his enemies. God is calling us to be faithful. That doesn't mean people are going to like that. Our main idea today is that Jesus calls his followers to be faithful and trusting Jesus with the results. Remember, he's not telling us to have all the results. 
He's asking us to be faithful. Time and time again, he's calling us to show people the good news of Jesus. To keep doing it. Here he's sending out the disciples two by two. Go and show people the good news of Jesus. Show them and be, and be faithful. Trusting Jesus with the results. And even though that Jesus was rejected in his hometown, the work of the gospel continued elsewhere. And even though Jesus' followers were unwelcome in some places, the work of the gospel was fruitful elsewhere. And even though John the Baptist, probably the greatest, well, Jesus said he was the greatest who was born of a woman. The greatest, you could even say greatest Christian, greatest follower of Jesus, he was martyred. Even though that happened, the work of the gospel continued in a greater way. So what is Jesus calling us to do? He's calling us to be faithful in this calling. And he's, he wants us to trust him with the results and go to all, elsewhere. Keep proclaiming the name of Jesus. So let me just ask you this before we close. Is, is in what way is the Lord asking you to be faithful? Faithful to him in spreading the good news of Jesus. So just take a moment to prayerfully think about that. How is God asking you to be faithful in spreading the good news of Jesus? So Lord, I ask that we would be people that are faithful to you, faithful to the calling that you've asked each of your followers to do, to, to show others the good news of Jesus to wherever we go to proclaim your truth, God. I pray that we would be people that are faithful, even when we don't want to be. We would not be fearful, but we would be faithful to you, Jesus. We thank you that you are with us, God, we thank you that we can trust you. And we, I, I thank you that the results aren't up to us. Thank you that the results are up to you and that you're calling us to be faithful. And so God, I just pray that we at East Bend would be faithful to your calling, that we would be your witnesses wherever we go. And we would continue to go places and teach people your truth. And we pray this in your mighty name, amen.